Hello and welcome. I'm Jody Carlton and your host today. I'm neurotypical, which means I'm not autistic, but I've spent my entire life in relationships loving people who are autistic. Moreover, I've spent the majority of my career educating about autism and helping couples bridge the gap in neurodiverse relationships. But this podcast is for you. It's a place to talk with me, to share your struggles, talk to me about your wins, your challenges, your victories, and also hear from other professionals who really get it and understand you. So what will we talk about today? Everybody. I had the opportunity to be a guest on the Neurodiverse Love podcast a, a bit ago and had such a wonderful conversation that I wanted Mona and Manisa to come join me on my podcast. So here they are. I would like to ask you guys to introduce yourselves. So instead of me wasting that space, I'm just going to turn it over to you guys. Mona, why don't you go first and tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm Mona, and I actually started the Neurodiverse Love podcast, I guess it's been a year and a half ago, in the middle of the pandemic, and I was married for 30 years. We were together for 32, and we didn't find out until the 29th year of our marriage that we were a neurodiverse couple, and we have an amazing 25-year-old, and she always tells me she's like a mini version of her daddy, but I'm a social worker. I have my bachelor's, my master's, and PhD in social work, so I was coaching her her entire life and didn't know it. And she's thriving and she's doing great. So I'm thrilled to be here, Jody. Thank you. I'm so glad you're here too. Um, all right, Manisa. Hey everyone, I'm Manisa. And ironically, I was a guest on Mona's Neurodiverse Love Podcast. And after chatting, Mona asked that I be her co-host and I so graciously accepted. I, I told her that I was wandering in the desert and she found me. So we've been partnering and doing some amazing things in this field. I am a educator of over 29 years. I became a board certified behavior analyst a couple of years ago, which is how I discovered that my husband was on the spectrum. We have been in a neurodiverse relationship for eight years, married for six. We have a blended family of five children. And as of eight days ago, now seven grandchildren. That's right. I remember you, you had a new grandbaby. Just a yes. Yeah, that's right. Congrats. Yes. That's Thank you. So this podcast is not only helping me to help other people, Mona and I, but it's also helping me in my relationship. So very glad to be here. You know, that last thing you said there, <laughs> it's not only helping other people, but it's helping you too. Mona and I were just chatting a few minutes ago while we were waiting you to hop on. And we were talking about how this is a journey still for us. And we're all three professionals here. And something I wanted us to talk about today is our own journeys as professionals, but also how that has been a process for us and how through the years we've gone to therapy ourselves, we've had our own real struggles in getting help and how even now, even though we are the ones that are helping other people, we're still on this journey ourselves. And I've struggled myself using that word expert, although I know that relatively speaking, we are because we've got the training, we've got the education, we've lived it. And compared to so many other people, we've got so much more expertise and so much more knowledge. And that's why we're compelled to do what we do, to spread awareness and educate and help. 
but it's still every day. It's still, you know, something that, that we're on our own journeys. Let's talk about that and, and share with the viewers and listeners what that's been like. So I would love for you both to share a little bit more about your own journey through this and what it's been like to be a professional struggling with not understanding your relationship and what kind of hiccups you've had along the way. What's that been like? Who'd like to go first? Sure. You want me to go first, Manisa? Yes, ma'am. You've got 32 years experience, Mona. You go first. <laughs> okay. Well, you know, this is what I, I tell our listeners all the time. I can laugh about it now, but if you would have met me 10 years ago, I didn't even look the same. I look at myself in pictures and my eyes were just, there was no sparkle. There was no glow. I kind of hit myself in the head sometimes because I have three degrees and I didn't know why my ex and I were so different. And I think that's important for folks to know, no matter how much education you have in whatever field, you can miss what's right in front of you. Because when I got my bachelor's and my master's in the late mid to late 80s, Asperger's was not a diagnosis in the DSM. Either was autism spectrum disorder. So, you know, there were things that I recognized like OCD and anxiety and, and other things, but I didn't have the Asperger's or the ASD diagnosis. I always knew that we were different, my ex and I, but I also embraced those differences because he was very rational and logical. And when I would get super emotional and start crying and all that stuff, he knew how to calm me down as long as the issue wasn't about us. Right. When it was about us, then it was a whole different situation. And we went for therapy early in our relationship. In fact, the, after four years of marriage, Jody, I wanted to divorce my husband because there were so many things I didn't understand, but I still loved him. Mm-hmm. And So I decided to stay after he told me he would change some things. 26 years later, I got a divorce. That's a long time of learning and trying to figure things out, right? Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest challenge for me was when my ex decided he was going to work on a project. And he took a year off from work and we both agreed that he would do that. And that was in 2004. And then I kept asking him, when are you going back to work? Are you making plans? And he didn't. And he didn't go back to work for over seven years. Wow. Yeah. And every time I tell that story, somebody is like, oh my gosh, you know, Why did you stay? What did you do? And I realized that being out of work for a year and working on his special interest, which was music and film, he was putting together a film and he did everything in the film. I think it was very, very difficult for him to think about transitioning back to work. When he finally went back to work, I told him, if you don't stay in your job, I can't stay in this relationship because I had been the breadwinner for, you know, almost um, eight years. So when he went back to work, his job became kind of his wife and he did whatever he had to do to stay in that job. And that meant sometimes coming home really late. So 
We went to therapy over and over again. Nothing worked. Nothing worked. Then finally, when our daughter went away to college, I realized how lonely and depressed I was in our relationship. And we did actually go for therapy. Then I said I had to separate from him and see, you know, what life would be like without him. Then we went to therapy, three therapists, Jody, when we were separated and none of them knew anything about neurodiversity, none. And, and now looking back at some of the things my ex said to the therapists, if they had known, they would immediately have thought that he was on the spectrum. You know, Manisa, I want to hear your story too, but I, there, there's a few things I want to just respond to in what you just said, Mona. And, you know, you and I are still getting to know each other and we, we chatted before, but the more I even hear about your story, the more I'm just going, wow, we are like, you know, twinsies here because I, I can relate so much to what you just said, even to the story about your ex, because my ex-husband, we were married 19 years and he went through a similar career transition where he left a family business where it had been kind of understood that that would be his career. And, and he was pretty miserable in that. And, and eventually we realized he didn't need to do that. But then he was really lost in not knowing what he was going to do with his life. And he, he had a college degree, but it was more geared toward the family business type thing. And he ended up going into acting and, and the, the, <laughs> the film industry, like, you know, and, and several years were put toward that. But there was just no income. And I was making pennies as a new therapist. We don't make much money at the master's level in those early years. And we had a, a daughter who was at that point still undiagnosed autistic, but eventually got the diagnosis at age five and just a really similar, similar trajectory. He eventually did get a different degree and ended up getting an MBA. And then what you just said about the job became his wife. I've never actually used those words. But I can relate to that so much uh, because we just didn't see him and, yeah. and he traveled and was gone. And, and especially with the NBA, you even said that, that you wanted to, to divorce him four years in. Well, we were in therapy the first year. Mm. We were married 19 years. We were in therapy the first year and went to so many, and that was before I was a therapist and went to so many, I, I lost count, honestly, I, I think through the years, maybe five, six therapists. And I want to just emphasize if, if you're a therapist or you're a psychologist or you're a coach, we're not here to criticize you or judge you because, you know, my heart goes out to you. I, as a therapist early on, did not recognize this. I didn't recognize it in my own marriage, but I'm sure I did not recognize it in my clients and in my clients' relationships because even when I was coming through the DSM, I don't remember which model, which, which version we were. I had four. <laughs> I guess it was, yeah, I think it was it was, a long time ago. Yeah, I think it was the DSM four when I came when I when I got my degree. Autism was a chapter in a book in a class. That was it. And what we learned about autism was more of what we would call now moderate level two or level three type of autism, mild autism. Asperger's was not something. It wasn't out there. We really didn't know anything about it. So we certainly didn't know what it looked like. So a lot of the therapists and the professionals out there still practicing are 
you know, I'm 50 this year. So a lot of people who are 45, 50 or, you know, and up that are still in practice don't have any awareness or knowledge from what I'm hearing from my colleagues, even who, who got their training, who are in their thirties, it's not really in the curriculum still. So there's just not the training to know. I've had so many people come to me who've been through full neuropsychological assessments or been to therapists and have been told, literally told that they couldn't be autistic because they have a college degree. Isn't that sad? Right. I mean, there's just so many, and, and, and I want Manisa to be able to tell her story because hers is, is, is really wonderful too. I think it's so sad that so many of us in the helping profession struggle first to find out why we're having such communication problems with the person or people that we love. Because usually if you are involved with one person who's neurodiverse, there's probably somebody in your family of origin who's neurodiverse. My dad passed away in 2005 and my sister and I both 100% feel he was on the spectrum. Mm -hmm. He was a psychologist and so was my mother. And I think the reason that he went into psychology is he had his own private practice. He didn't have to worry about, you know, loss. but I know that many people that are in my family on both sides are probably neurodiverse, hmm. both ADHD and autism that have never been diagnosed same. and they've struggled. They've struggled. Yep. Same, um, same for me. And a lot in, in personal relationships, whether it's not having friends or struggling in their romantic relationship or struggling with their children. Mm -hmm. And it's very sad. And if I could say one thing to professionals who are out there and haven't had any training at all in neurodiversity, go find AANE. I know they do several courses on that. Mm -hmm. Or find another maybe university that's offering CEU credits or something. Mm -hmm. Whatever you can do to learn about neurodiversity, it's going to help so many people that you work with. Yeah, so I refer to ANA a good bit. They're pretty good. Yeah. Maybe you're here today because you suspect your partner's autistic, or maybe you're autistic yourself, or maybe you just don't know, and you don't really know what to do next. And that's exactly what my basic consultation is for. I do offer assessments for individuals and couples, but if you're not ready for all of that, you can book a consultation appointment with me and we'll talk about your current situation, whether that's a relationship you're in or if you're dating and, and single and, and don't really understand why your relationships don't ever work out or maybe you can't even get them started. We'll talk about all of that. So book a basic consultation appointment with me today and we'll get you some clarity. The link is in the description. So let's hear from you, Manisa. Okay, I just wanted to say that I do think there is a lot of ignorance surrounding autism. I, I do think that platforms like this, where we're having discussions about relationships and autism and how that affects relationships, there that's why it's called a spectrum. Because, you know, I, I do this every single day with children. But for me personally, I didn't know anything about autism until maybe 15 or 20 years ago. But again, me working in the public school system, at that time I was a teacher, I would be one of those, again, who would be ignorant. I only had a blurb. Um, it was not in my coursework at all in education. I went to school, you know, many, many, many years ago, and it wasn't even mentioned in my coursework. 
And when it was mentioned, it was mentioned not in the most positive light. And it wasn't until I was in grad school in 2013 and I was taking the autistic course and they were given the characteristics of autism. And I just met my husband. We had met on a dating site and we were like two months into our relationship. And the professor had a PowerPoint that listed some of the characteristics of children on the spectrum. And I was like, Mm, I know this relates to children on the spectrum, but that's my husband. That's my husband. That's my husband. And I didn't say it. I didn't say it out loud. I didn't even have a conversation with him. I just kept continuing on with the relationship because it was new. So a lot of things that were happening, I was chalking it up to, well, you know, this is a new relationship. He doesn't feel comfortable with me. We have to get to know each other. Then I started noticing patterns. And I started saying, okay, I started testing that saying, okay, the last time this happened, this is how he responded. And then that same thing would happen. And I would say to myself, I wonder if I'll get the same response. And I would. And then it would happen again. It's like, oh, I begin to get curious about the behavior. Four years. Now we're married now. We're married four years into our marriage. Where, as Mona has said, you know, just the, the, the distress and the frustration and the anger. I said to him one day in the parking lot of Jersey Mike's, we were getting a sub and we were sitting and we were eating. And I said, do you know who Bill Gates is? He said, yes. I said, do you know who Elon Musk is? And he said, yes. I said, do you know who Steve Jobs is? And he said, yes. I said, those are all extremely intelligent men. And they have something called Asperger's. I think you have Asperger's. And then, of course, I had a, a video queued up in my phone that we played that listed the characteristics of autism. And I remember for five minutes straight, he never said a word. And then when it was over, he said, play it again. Mm. It was the first time in his life that he identified with characteristics that he was living with, but never knew what it was. Hmm. He just thought he was unlikable, weird, and quiet. And it was like, it was like a light bulb moment for him. But the hard part for him was admitting that some of those deficits that he has in social and emotional awareness was affecting our relationship great Mm -hmm. wanted to kind of balance the scale and say well if I'm going to say that I have this what are you going to say that you have and it took us almost two years to get past you know that battle it's not that having Asperger's makes me at a greater position than you but hey this is something that we have in our relationship that you have that we need to both work together in order to have the relationship that we want. And we're still in the process of doing that. We went through four therapists. We're on the fourth therapist now, and it's the first time ever that we got strategies. I went into every session saying, we need strategies. We need to leave with strategies for communication. We're not communicating. And they would never give, but they would tell us all these theories about Gottman and all this. (laughs) 
And um, finally, the therapist that we have now specializes in your neurodiverse relationships and we're getting advantages So, Yeah, so I love the way you approached that because that's a question I get asked all the time is how do I approach my partner, my husband, I think that that he or she or my wife even I think I think they're on the spectrum. How do I approach? And I love the way you did that because you identified some people who are very well respected for their intelligence and for their innovativeness and what they've done for our society. And you identified those traits and characteristics. And, and I'm guessing that you already knew that these were men that your husband would have respect. Yeah, he's in IT. <laughs> yeah. So you already knew these guys would be positive on his yes. radar. And so I love the way you approach in identifying what he has in common with these guys. And so that's such a great, that was such a great approach that you made with yes. him on that. But, you know, your story is so similar to everybody else's in that he's had, had all of these differences his whole life, didn't have a framework for it, didn't know what it, the words that I always use to describe our relationship is it's an informed relationship like we have to know each other uh, me particularly I have had to have a whole paradigm shift because I've never been in a relationship with someone who was autistic so it sometimes I feel like my brain betrays me because it's like wait a minute if I were in a neurotypical relationship, I would so hold that person responsible. But with my husband and knowing that he has autism, it's a different way of thinking. Now, I'm not saying that he isn't held accountable, but my first go-to is not to react and say, you did this, what are you going to do to fix it? My first response now is, let's talk about it. Why, was, why did you believe that was the right decision? And could there have been a different way to do that? And if he doesn't know a different way, then I'll say, this is what I would like to, this is how I would like for you to have said this or to have done this. And then he'll be able to tell me if he can do it or not. That's one of our things that, that we learn through counseling is he has to be able to tell me if he's capable of giving me what I need. And if he tells me no, then I have to accept that. Mm. You know, it's like the whole restaurant analogy. I know, Jody, you said that you love analogies. If you go to a restaurant and they tell you, we're so sorry, we're, we, you know, we're all out of food. We have no more food. Do you sit there and wait to be fed or do you get up and do you go to another source of food? Mm -hmm. so now I'm learning that there are other restaurants open, you know, i.e. my friends, my family, you know, people that I trust that I can talk to when my husband says like that's not something I want to do that's not something I enjoy that doesn't mean I don't have to do it anymore I just don't do it with him you know I, I love what you just said about he tells you that if he's capable of, of doing it and then the, the restaurant analogy you can sit there and complain and whine and scream and and yell that you're not getting food which is what we tend to do in our relationships. You know, it's like, why aren't you saying, why aren't you, we, we, we get, you know, we go on and on. And, and, and so one of the things that I teach, you know, you talk about needing strategies, we need strategies. So one of the things that I teach 
my clients, I've got this two or 10 scale and I teach them to evaluate how important that need is to them. But how important is this actually to me? Down to, you know, two, okay, it's really not that big of a deal. Up to a 10, it's a deal breaker. I can't live with this or I can't live without it. Or it's somewhere, you know, where is it? And how much is it impacting my life? And it kind of helps them to evaluate, okay, if he can't meet this need or if she can't meet this need, okay, how big of a, that, of a deal is that? Is this something okay. I can let go? Mm-hmm. Or is this something that's, mm, I don't know. Unnegotiable. Right. Yeah. Because we do need to know what our deal breakers are. I love that, Jody, because, you know, you could spend years fighting over a problem that is a number two. I know. Well, okay. We do. doesn't even work. On the grand scheme of things, but you cannot let it go. And, and I will tell you, my husband has taught me so much about myself. I have grown up so much. There are still some things that I'm gripping on with the, you know, the, the death grip. Uh, and that's just going to take time for me to be able to relinquish. But just learning how to think and not, I was such a reactor. You know, everything hurt my feelings. Why don't you understand? You know, thinking I married a psychic, you know, he can understand my feelings, my emotions, my thoughts, everything. <laughs> And learning, like, that's my job. Like, it's my job to take care of my feelings. Yes. I, I raise my hand in that, too. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, we, we sometimes, we women, sometimes we we expect that we're marrying our girlfriend. We think we're marrying somebody who's going to be like a girlfriend. And first of all, dudes are not that. Dudes are just not that. And autistic dudes are really not that. So we have to... You know, that's for the women. Now, there are men who are going to be listening who are married to autistic women. And, and it's it's a little, it's a different, it's a bit different. But yes, it, and I would agree with you. I've learned so much from the autistic people in my life that I've loved. And, and you know, my, my children's father is someone that, you know, we actually, for the most part, we get along really well. There are still some hot topics that are triggering for me and for him. I trigger him. He triggers me. But we're still raising our kids or our um, teenagers, one's in college, one's still in, in high school, and, but we still get along pretty well. And he's someone I care about a lot. And, and my best friend is on the spectrum. My, you know, my daughter's on the spectrum. I've, I've got, I know other family members who are not diagnosed to Mona. And um, <laughs> I, I don't even know how to have a world that's, that's not full of autism yeah, people. And, right. and so I, again, I want to just emphasize that as a neurotypical, I don't in any way, see myself as superior to individuals who are autistic, I think it's important that we all learn to recognize how to live with each other and, and communicate with each other and connect with each other. That's the goal. We talked about communication being so important. Mona, that's, that's the foundation of my coaching program is to communicate. Awesome. And I still struggle sometimes. I struggle to remember, you know, yeah, it's, we all do. And for those of you who are autistic, I want you to hear me and saying that even though I've been down this road and I'm much farther ahead than most, I still struggle too. And I have to, Every- yes, it with, with my daughter and with my other people in my life, I have to stop and remember that my way of thinking and my brain is working differently and I have to stop and go okay coach yes, practice, practice. Yourself. 
Yeah, I mean, Jody, we were talking before we started recording, and I think this is really important for um, both partners to hear. My ex and I, we have not lived under the same roof for six years. We have been divorced for almost four years. And I saw him, we were face to face with each other having a conversation. And I sat there and cried for two hours straight during our conversation. And when I left him and really thought about it overnight, what happened is I realized that I was looking for him to give me answers to things he could never give me answers to, like why he did certain things in our marriage. And so if you're the neurotypical, even if you're the autistic partner and you're looking for answers to why things were done, you may never get them. But what you can get from the right coach or therapist are strategies to understand yourself and your partner better so that you can communicate more effectively and you can move beyond that feeling of stuckness or having what they call the communication roundabout where you're fighting about what seems to be the same thing over and over again because there may not be the answers that you're seeking. There may not be an answer for why that particular behavior occurred. So I think we can overanalyze everything. I know I'm guilty of it. But if you can understand each other, yeah. if you can really understand each other from a place of love and compassion, I think a neurodiverse relationship can be so awesome. Yeah, I do too. And that exact thing came up in my communication coaching group this week the the why there was a neurotypical partner wife wanting to know why her partner had done a particular thing and his she said he always answers or he often answers i don't know and oh, so i think oh, you know what and so what you said so important and i'd never heard the i call it rehashing but you just said the communication roundabout that's yeah i go that's that's so true it's i agree with everything you just said and i i before we Hop off. I want to just ask you both. Um, now, Manisa, you're in the school system still. Mm-hmm. That's what I thought. Now, Mona, are you are you in active practice at all? Okay. No. no, 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 no. When when I got my degrees, I did clinical work. I haven't done clinical work for a really, really, really long time. My work is about education. It's about advocacy. I do two support groups, free support groups for the neurotypical partners. I have had support groups for the autistic partners, but I'm not sure I'm going to do them again, only because it was just a different feel for me. But I do two free support groups. And, you know, we have all the folks, including you, Jody, on the on the website that people can, can go to who have expertise. Mm-hmm. And, you know, why spend three years in therapy and get nowhere and have more hurt and pain and spend a lot of money and you can go to somebody like you, Jody, and, you know, you might be able to spend four to six months working with somebody who's an expert and you can know, is this the relationship that's going to be the right one for me moving forward? Or are there too many non-negotiables that can't be addressed? That's you know? a good point, too, because that's oftentimes what I, I help people figure out. It's it's that clarity of knowing, is this going to work or not? So. Thank you guys so much. And I am sure I'm going to ask you back at some point. Again. We may do the same. We may ask you back. Definitely. 
it was a you know, pleasure. It, yes, definitely. I'm sure we'll we'll have you know lots of things we can. We obviously are at a loss for conversation. <laughs> yes, we're not. No, yes. at a loss for conversation for loss. my little. Girl. Thank you, Jody. All right, thank, thank you for having us. All right, bye. -bye. Remember to tune in each week for a new episode of your neurodiverse relationship podcast. Now, remember, this is your podcast and I want to talk to you. Share with me your personal experiences with neurodiversity. If you're a professional working with autism, I'd also like to talk to you. To be a guest on the show, the link is in the episode description where you can book a time for a recorded chat with me. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any of the wonderful conversations we're having here and the relationship insights and tips that I have for you. Until next time.